Welcome back once again to the Ryder Brothers, your Thursday night source for general interest entertainment, where we discuss movies, games, shows, and occasionally even books. But don't worry, we're not going to bore you with any books tonight. This evening, we're going to discuss the latest episode of Apple TV's Severance. After that, we will talk about Daily Wire's latest and greatest, The Hyperions. Then we're going to discuss a little bit of GTA Online and then our first impression of Black Desert Online. Today, I'm joined by my co-host slash co-producer, John. How are you doing today? Absolutely wonderful. Happy Thursday to you, or as they say in olden times, happy Thor's Day. <laughs> I cannot wait to get into these conversations tonight. I prefer I prefer Turd's Day myself because it feels like a turd, and I just took a turd earlier and to before the show, so I'm ready to go. That's enough potty talk out of you. <laughs> no more no more bodily function discussion on this show um so severance episode five uh john where do you want to start with this one uh i'm gonna let you open because i want to hear your thoughts i thought this one was wild but i felt like you had a more you had a different relationship with this one I was uh so my theories definitely changed a bit it's i have a i have a a simpler feeling on this one regarding where the show's going and, and what it's doing. I paused it. So right after the scene where, uh, where I can't remember his name off. It's, it's like Ivan or Ivory Irving Irving. Thank you. Yeah. He's got one of those names that always sounds different in my head where Irving gets that picture. That was a moment that I was like, I paused the show and I looked at Hannah and I go, okay, if everything that we have watched builds up to this, ju just them being rats in a maze, it will still be worth watching. And literally right after I, I started watching the show again, that's when uh, the other character comes in or goes in, goes to Patricia Arquette's character when, and then says, that's when they have a little bit of a weird conversation where she says something along the lines of, oh, you ran a, you ran a 256 on... Milicek, yes. And I was like, yeah, it was Milicek. And I was like, oh, so they are just doing experiments on them. And I found that, like, I was blown away by how much they, they kind of did a lot more exposition in this one, but also kept the suspense than I was expecting. I, I got a different feeling from that scene. I didn't really feel like it was an experiment so much as a test. Like, A, it's number 256 of what? And B, I really want to know of what because that's a really messed up 256 and to see our first introduction into it, you know? With that picture going crazy, uh, I couldn't get over A, how grotesque it was, but also how... Uh, historic i guess would be the best word for it like it was not a standard water painting and it definitely it kind of explained what we discussed last week like why are the computers so old right well if yeah. you're gonna keep paintings like this they're gonna start to to quantify the difference in and you see it later in the episode when he shows them the one where the badges are different like One's the Mac dot group and one's the painting group. 
and the MacDoc group were like, no, the painting group was the one that was attacking us in the picture that I saw. That's what Irving saw. But then when Irving's looking at the other one, it's the MacDoc group attacking the painting group. So when they say it's a 256, I didn't really see it as an experiment so much as like a psychological test. Like they wanted to see if he was going to, I don't know, like I, based off the whole, the scenes where Irving just sees the world melting. I got the vibe that he's either getting ready to be forcibly retired or he is, oh man, back to the experiment thing again now. He could be the first, the first of the guinea pigs. And like he's having the most residual effects, whereas everybody else has never seen the sky melt. Especially that scene where Mark turned around and his eye was like oozing that black stuff. I, ah, oh, that one made me queasy immediately because I didn't expect it. Like I thought seeing Mark's normal face was what would be the thing that snapped him out, and it wasn't. And I was like, that's gross. <laughs> Well, the painting sequence was very... Maybe there was more there that we missed because the, the painting sequence, he reacts to the first one and then we find out that it was intentionally sent to him. Like, like he has a visible, disturbing reaction. But then he sees this and he's like, oh, uh, calm down, Dylan. This is this isn't the same thing. It's different. And he doesn't, he doesn't even react the same. He doesn't even react similar. He's literally very nonchalant about it. Like, dude, it's no big deal. That's such a good point. Yeah, and and so it's almost like there was something maybe subliminal in that first message that was accidentally sent to him, and he just didn't understand. It it, it was something, something in that first image triggered something that was not triggered here. Yet when Dylan saw this other picture, he was the one that was bothered by it and was like, see, they got the same image. It's right here. And Irving's like, no, it's not the same image. It's different. Well, and not to mention... Like, Irving was not only visibly, like, distraught by what he was seeing, but he kind of felt like he caused it because he tried to print the map. But if you notice, now that we're bringing up all these things about, like, what we could have missed, there was two pictures printed, and Milicek only took one of them, but they were both the same photo. So what if printing the map, and, like, these printers have some kind of, like scan before you print function that can detect what you're about to print and deny you and print you something else like what if it wasn't the 256 was triggered by milichek but also by the photo he attempted to copy because it was the map that they were keeping hidden in secret but like to me that was the first thing that scared him like oh i didn't print this oh that's really gross and then milichek just comes up behind him and he's like He's still like disturbed and it seemed like he forgot about the map. <laughs> so yeah, all of those pieces feel like it's, there's so much more that we, we, we saw, but didn't add up until the next episode. And then maybe even the rewatch will be able to finally put all these lines together. Yeah. Which, Super game craft in the chat with uh, some Canadian flags uh, which does bring up a, a interesting point. Um, unfortunately, our guest tonight, Carrion, which in residence, was unable to join us due to uh, some, don't know the specifics, just some family circumstance. So just a quick shout out to our buddy Carrion. Well wishes. Hope everything gets resolved. And uh, we'll hope to see you back here next week. 
Yeah, I honestly, a lot of what was going on in this episode certainly raised a bunch more questions and, and definitely gives the illusion that something is clearly going on that we're not being told about. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the whole show, but it's almost Seriously. like, I think it's going to be somewhere in between what Carrie Owen's suggesting with, it's something that could be a gray area and that's very possible, but it's also entirely possible that, that whatever the gray area is, it's just going to be achieved through random experimentation of, of humans. And, and that's what, it's what they're doing is some, it is a psychological experiment on the human brain is basically what this show is about in a lot of ways. I mean, it's all about a lot of things. There's a lot of commentary to pull from this show. The, what I, I found interesting was also the scene where Mark goes and grabs his book out and Milicek was over his shoulder. And it's like, you know, he saw him with the book, but he didn't that wasn't Milicek. That was the counselor. Or that's right. It was the counselor. I got it. I got my sequences confused. Okay, but she clearly saw it from her vantage point, okay? That, that's, that's like, literally one of those movie magic moments that is so painfully obvious. There's no way that she didn't notice the book was there, but obviously didn't do anything about it because they left it for him to find. That's my point about why I think they're really... Why ultimately, at the very least, that's where the show started, was Rats in a Maze. And how do we make humans participate willingly as rats in a maze? Oh, well, you make them forget that they don't work for eight hours a day, or that they work for eight hours a day. You make them forget that experience, then you can do whatever you want. That's why we see messed up things like the break room, because they're trying to control people without having to physically abuse them. It's all mental abuse. It's all mind games. And that's really what makes this show so riveting is that, you know, there's no violence. I mean, there's like, I guess, mild violence when Heli threw the uh, thing at Mark in the first episode. But that's it. There's no grotesque violence. There's no, uh, they kind of swear a lot, but it's very calculated. Uh, Super Gamecraft, the chat, and eh, mental abuse is common. We all work day jobs. <laughs> that's well, good point. Uh... This show amplifies it by a factor of 11. I, I One question I have for you is... Why do you do you feel like you are catch like you're dang what's the word I'm looking for do you feel like you're actually learning more as we watch do you feel like you know more about the world honestly I I do not I, I think there's more it, questions. not really think but feel like watching it do you feel like you can remember last week's episode and feel like you're getting questions answered even though you're getting more questions yeah I feel like it's doing a good job of of giving us a little bit more into the insight but then it's also like feeding us more uh feeding us more cliffhangers like the data entry room they they literally all went in there and they're going to meet the people and we'll see how that interaction goes tonight. And so it's it's doing a very good job narratively of giving us enough information to keep us interested. But then, yeah, but what's interesting is is to see what's going to happen next, because, well, you know, what, I don't want to take spoilers off the IMDb. So never mind. I'm not going to go that route. That's it's just I really think is what makes this show such a good show is because I feel like I don't like I know I don't know anything, 
even though I've watched five episodes in a row, trying to figure everything out, and I watch them a couple times to be ready for these episodes for our show, and yet I don't feel cheated, but I only feel completely more in the dark, and I that that's such a fun feeling to get from watching something especially lately because it feels like it's been rare where a tv show especially has been able to be as adventurous as the office while simultaneously making me as confused and ready for the next episode as game of thrones right right and it's a weird spot to be (laughs) Well, and I mentioned it on previous episodes, and I definitely kind of have that sort of fear in the back of my mind that this show is just going to turn out to be more mystery box writing. But that's just it. It doesn't feel like it's doing heavy on the mystery box as it feels like it's it's really it's definitely using mystery box writing to keep you interested. But it's also giving more insight to the characters and to the to the world that we don't you don't really get that with mystery box writing mystery box writing just gets more and more mysterious. And then by the end of like a season, you're like, so what exactly happened? And you ask the producers and they go, well, what do you think's going to happen? And then they have like a notepad and they're like, just, you know, just wanted to write down your notes so they can produce season two. Um, Yeah. I don't get that. I don't know. Game of Thrones put me in a freaking coma. I need to censor the Twitter or the Twitch chat. Um, I, I, what I mean more along the lines of Game of Thrones is I didn't watch it week to week because yeah, it's a very slow drumming show, but in terms of who started what and why, literally in the first episode of Game of Thrones, you learn the entire goals of everybody, except you just don't think that they're going to be that obvious. And then as you watch the show, it doesn't match at all as episode one. It also doesn't match Lord of the Rings. It also doesn't match any other fantasy genre you've ever seen well, before. It, it matches Lord of the Rings. They killed Sean Bean. Yeah, but Sean Which, Bean you know, was killed at the Game of end. One, if oh, yeah. like one of the three people who hasn't watched that show. Did they basically did. I mean, if you were to put the two timelines in just order of events, Sean Bean dying at the end of each episode was the major well, climax. And that's not, let's not get too, too off track here. The thing, I well, think the point you're but, trying to make is at least with Game of Thrones, like the first couple seasons are admittedly well-written and, and well thought out. No, and, and the, that's... The, the real point I'm just trying to make is that the Game of Thrones series sparked so many film and fan theory websites, podcasts, YouTube channels and you're absolutely right because lost did the same thing and lost lost it in the end and same thing happened with game of thrones is they lost 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 it um because game of thrones like george rr martin wasn't done he was still finishing out his vision sussing some things out and then some other people just took the helm as fans like they were fans writing fanfic and they wrote their version of a good ending, and that's why all the majority of us didn't like it. And that's where Lost lost itself, and that's where this one is doing itself a service because it doesn't exist anywhere except for the next episode and the last episode. It, it doesn't have a book to follow, and as far as we know, it may not even care about season two. And that's wild. 
I don't know. I don't know how this season's going to end. Uh, there's scenes in here that we haven't even gotten to, and there's implications of of what this show is implying that that we haven't touched on. And that's probably that's really what I'm liking about it a lot. Is it really is? It's doing a good job of of giving us the mystery, but also enough satisfying resolution each week that we're, we want to come back for more but we don't feel i haven't felt insulted by this show is what i'm trying to say yeah i agree i don't feel like anybody of any real intelligence range is going to feel inadequate like some people might feel lost more than others but you're it's not a hard one to follow when once you grasp the basic concept no, and I think and, that's what I like about it is it tries to be respectful of its audience. It's just trying to tell a story. It's not trying to. It's not trying to hammer you with ideals so much. It's just, like I said, it's great social commentary on the corporate world. Not even really corporate world, but just the work world in general. I mean, how many world. people? I, I've seen a meme before, and I think Bronson from Super Gamecraft shared it once, and it really stuck with me. Was uh, you know, oh, going into work in PC time. And I think that's a very appropriate comparison for this show because that's basically what you're doing is you're shutting half your brain, you're shutting your brain down, your memories down. You're creating a different personality that literally even Helly went so far as to say, you're not a real person. And so it's it's almost like they took the NPC meme and made it into a show. And that's what it's about is, is being at work as a non-playable character because that's what these are. They have their memories from the time they go into work and leave work. That's such a weird, weird analogy that definitely describes the show. But if you think about it in terms of like NPCs, NPCs know what they're doing internally. Like their code is written the way that it's written. So it's they have a function. They know what that function is and they know they're going to complete it but they have no idea what the world around them is or why they do what they do. They just know what their code tells them. And that's literally what these people are is their code tells them what jobs they need to do, what to do. And then they get debugged in, or in, uh, I mean, even they're getting, they're getting QA tested. That's what a Milicek did. If you think about it in just terms of like process, the, like, Milicek did a QA test on Irving to see what would happen. It He knew that something could happen, should happen, and might happen, but he still needed to run the functions check. And I think that's yeah. like, that's a really good analogy, but also it changes the whole dynamic of the show because it could be a little bit in terms of mystery box but it really feels more along the lines of like the writers are trying to get us to create our own mystery boxes rather than they already like, have a plan yeah i feel like one of them knows everything that's going on and it could be something as innocuous as yeah we just make dental products we just cannot let the recipe out and it it doesn't even that wouldn't be a disappointing end you know no definitely which not. is weird because like if you think about it now all we want is more mind games and so they could literally just have a world of different innocuous companies and products being protected by some super crazy manipulators uh, which is honestly fun. If, 
if this show breaks the fourth wall and basically says that we were the rats in the maze the whole time, I'll be impressed. I'll say yes. <laughs> it, it's, it's okay. Then so leading back to the rats in the maze, which is basically what Mark and Helly were, literally rats running around in a maze. What is this? <laughs> what? I saw this scene and I was like, uh, Hannah's theory was that I guess this is where they send the broken ones. And I don't know. I don't like, think so. I think this baby goes... goats. Baby goats are called kids. So is this like, what's going on here? I want to know what you oh, think is going on here. This could very much be something similar to what they're doing with Irving. This could be like a two fifty four or a two fifty nine. You know, yeah. because or like what they're sixty nine. If you <laughs> if you remember, uh, oh man. Combs, Cobell, Miss Cobell, uh, tells Milicek or Milicek asks, not Cobell, uh, not Milicek, the other security guy. Oh yeah. Um, Michael Comsty as Mr. Greener. Mr. Greener asks <sighs> Cobell what she's doing, and like acknowledge it, like she knew for a fact that they were gonna walk into this room. And she's the one that left the door open somehow. So, like, that rats in the maze thing definitely, it's, it, it just could be, it's not really like an experiment so much as it is a quality test. Like, we got to double check that these people are in the right spaces. Each one needs a certain amount of things to be the most productive. And that's why everybody is segregated in the way they are. Like, the four Macodot people, they could literally just be the people that work really well in teams of four with very like with constant supervision versus like this guy Assuming with the goat. doing anything worthwhile at all yeah exactly like they could do literally any the most mundane task in the world as long as there's just four of them and they have constant supervision with the appearance of being able to be rebellious like and that's like rather than it being like devious and they're trying to like experiment on these people it's like they've already mastered social manipulation and they're like choreographing their day-to-day -day. yeah and it, it's it's weird because we have that scene that plays out and it's it's like they know they're being watched we've seen the break room right we know what the break room is and yet we think, oh, the, these guys are, you know, they're, they're reading contraband. They're interacting with other departments, which you're not necessarily, which we're under the assumption you're not supposed to do, but now you can. So obviously they're being watched, but the only time that they've been taken to the break room is when they've tried to leave. They try to escape. You know, the first time Heli tried to escape and Mark ends up going to the break room on her behalf. Oh, also Super Gamecraft in the chat. So speaking of Apple TV shows, when are you going to the real star of that platform, Ted Lasso? We're going to double check and look into that. Um, I've heard good things about it. It's just right now severance is our big thing, and we're also tracking other stuff. And so we'll, we'll definitely do a block on that show, especially probably when it gets closer to its next season premiere. I assume it's still on the air. I, I don't hear anything about it only being one or two seasons. So we will be looking into to Ted Lasso, absolutely. Yeah, um, we're definitely going to discuss it because it is absolutely 
the star of Apple TV. It's one of the most wholesome sports comedies in the entire universe. Wonderful show, and I cannot wait for season three. Well, when we will, uh, yeah, we'll discuss that as, as we get closer to that. But in the meantime, with Severance, this show is, like I said, that's why I feel like it's rats in a maze because they're watching them behave this way. And that's why I almost wonder if the work they're doing really isn't anything except, you know, Carrie Owen brought up the gray, the moral gray area, which that can make for a very strong ending if it's executed properly. And I think that's very possible that we'll still get that moral gray area while also dealing with the, with this just being, so when I say it's just rats in a maze, I don't mean to like downplay the show or the significance. It being rats in a maze and trying to use certain uh, mental manipulation and mental abuse to create, to uh, insight or to force conformity is still along the lines of turning out to have a morally gray ending and not to mention their depiction of it is still a hundred percent quite like if it is just rats in a maze this is the most elaborate version of rats in a maze i've ever seen or heard of so like it i agree with you i just keep getting all these thoughts especially watching this trailer and thinking about what's to come and what it could be and i came up with this idea about what if it's rats in a maze and what the information that they're selling is actually the results of these studies so that other people don't have to be this intense and they can still do some degree of social manipulation but this is like their way of finding the most effective they're trying to take a person that has all of the education and all of the skills of being a person, all of the training, all of the education, Creativity. but they're trying to basically take a full grown adult that has no concept of any other life and then see what they can get away with. That's what I feel is really going on here. And you're right there, or you're, excuse me, you're probably right. That's exactly what the caveat is of this show, is that they're basically selling the information to other corporations to say, here is how you can get away with mentally abusing your workers, but also keeping them productive. So, I yeah, uh, this is what I love about good sci-fi, and that's why I still feel like, yeah, this isn't just basic mystery box writing, because... They're not writing the show based off of our review, or at least I hope they're not changing episodes based off our review. They're, they've already, it, it feels like they have an ending planned. A lot of this feels like they already have two seasons planned out. Apple TV's already signed off on them. So it sounds like whatever stories they're going to tell, whether or not this story wraps up with these characters and moves on to something else, it remains to be seen. But I love coming back every week. I love talking about this show every week because it really gets you to think and that's what i said is like it's not an insult to the audience i don't i don't feel like i'm certainly the last person to go full elitist on anybody who doesn't watch severance um because if you know if you don't like it you don't like it that's fine but like i said i think anyone can can sit down and watch this show because it's relatable everybody has worked a crappy job at least once in their life and if you haven't you're probably like in the, you know, 2% of humans that haven't done that, which whatever, that's fine. <laughs> Everybody's had a job where you just want to turn your brain off and just go into a work mode. This isn't a concept that that is like fresh or new. It It's new in the sense that nobody's put it on screen before and they're doing it in such a 
awesome way that really gets you to think and really gets a lot of thought-provoking questions and analysis going. And so that's what I love about this show is, is you know what? I think I'm kind of getting to the point and I don't want to come off as like an apologist or an excuse, you know, pre-excuse the show because I don't think it's going to be a bad ending. I am confident that this show's, or at the very least season one's ending will be satisfying enough. I, I feel like this is a good show to watch and worth the time. I'm just getting to the point where so much has already happened. So much has already been explored. And we've even discussed a lot on this show that it's just worth watching regardless of how it ends. Um, I'm not saying that is an excuse to have a bad ending. I'm just like, that's how good this show has become is that, you know what? It actually is kind of worth the ride. Um, and that's, that's, that's where I, my thoughts are. So I'm enjoying it. It's great. I love the discussion. Um, any more thoughts before we move on to our next subject? Uh, yeah, just one quick thing. If we lost our streamers, it's because YouTube's saying that supposedly we are using copyrighted material, which we are not. We are using the already advertised material, uh, yeah. but it should come back to us here in a second. Uh, come back to you on YouTube in a second. Twitch seems to still be active and working functionally. Uh, so on that, uh, I, I would just- I don't know why we got slapped with a copyright because I'm literally just playing stuff that's advertised openly. Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure we note that because we are seeing it and we are experiencing it. Oh, we are taking care that of it. That was from the official Apple TV. So they might just have an auto setting on there. But thanks for catching that. Yeah, uh, Yeah, sorry, audience. We were discussing Apple TV severance by using their theme song and they decided they didn't want us on the air for some reason. So we'll try to get the, see if we can get the YouTube stream back up. Checking, double checking now. Sorry, Twitch fans. We are in maintenance mode for a moment teamwork makes the dream work though uh while we're trying to get this fixed up uh i do think ted lasso is a phenomenal show i think apple tv is definitely taking the time to pay for quality content from its writers yeah and i i think they were one of the few like platforms that knew they were going to stream a service sooner rather than later and when they decided to do that they uh i feel like they're the ones that actually planned for it they went and bought all the writers they used their multi-billions of trillions of dollars and they actually took the time to find people that wanted to write new things and ted like that's why i say ted lasso is so phenomenal is because in terms of sports comedy, it is equal to Severance in its yeah. relationship with science fiction. Like you wouldn't expect it to be sports or comedy because it has very little of either while simultaneously giving you all of it. Like feeling like you're learning about a sport you never would have cared about, like soccer or as they say in Ted Lasso, football. And, oh, looks like we are back on our All right, YouTube's back up and running, which, uh, whatever. We're back. We'll have to look into that, because I don't play the unapproved materials. I just play what's approved. Unless, for some reason, they want to pull copyright on the uh, 
intro, which if that's the case, then fine. I'll just play the trailer from now on. Also not forget to blame algorithms if it's just overzealous algorithms. It sounds like overzealous algorithms, which, okay, sorry for the free advertising. You're a bad algorithm. Anyway. I get it. Okay. And you know what? I'm going to take a quick moment to touch on it. Okay. I'm an independent content creator. I probably would feel a little angry about having some of my stuff stolen and sold for free. Um, that's not what we're doing here. We are trying to bring awareness to shows that we like. We are trying to get people excited about shows. And one of the ways that I personally get excited about shows is the theme song. Um, HBO, great marketing campaign, throwing your theme song out there, uh, just so people could watch. I, you know, don't necessarily want to be too forthright about it, but I did watch it. Uh, I did watch the theme by itself on occasion in between episodes just because it was mm. good. It was an enjoyable piece of, to watch. So I, that's one way that I was excited about watching the show. So um, sorry if I was trying to get people excited to watch Severance by just playing the theme yeah. back and forth over and over. <laughs> to, again. to any overzealous copyright groups and people that want to say we're infringing copyright, we are literally offering your clients free word of mouth discussion about our love for the product so no yeah that's so not we're what go we're doing switch the one that i if we get hit with a copyright <laughs> i'm gonna send out an angry email yes you may not agree with their politics and if you've watched anything on the fox network in the last 20 years well you've inadvertently supported fox news so congratulations the Hyperions is the latest from the up-and-coming entertainment distributor, The Daily Wire. And I gotta say, from what I saw production-wise, with what I think was working within a very tight budget, or at least a low budget, I, I loved it. I it, it didn't feel that way at first, but I think after, after thinking about it, after watching it, uh, and after just stewing on it, this was a good sign of things to come from daily wire uh but john i'll go ahead and let you take over for a minute yeah uh just jumping on the straight into the hyperions uh the casting was phenomenal uh yeah there were definitely like you could see the budget and to me it just really felt like in the uh the light saturation which is weird that that would be the thing that i would notice the most um but what i will say is this movie was really fun it it was they worked within their budget they chose superpowers that didn't have to be extreme uh and didn't even they they did a lot of really good writing in terms of you didn't really care to see the superpowers once you found out why they were all dealing with anything and I felt like that was a really smart move because this felt more like the emotional, uh, what's it called when you, the emotional wrap up of what the Umbrella Academy on Netflix could end up looking something similar to. Because like in the Umbrella Academy, we have a lot of people that are in their mid to late 20s finally realizing who their dad was but in this one dad's still alive and it turns out dad didn't know who he was and that's a really fun concept that i haven't seen before uh and especially in superheroes um definitely not the coolest costumes uh 
definitely one of the easiest explanations of how they got their power and why only they got their power. But still fun. Because, like, Spider-Man's about a kid who got bit by a magical spider. The Hulk is a guy who poisoned himself with gamma radiation. Like, it doesn't really matter how they get their power, why they get their power, or why they're the only ones that got their power, necessarily. As long as you write something more fun around it, something more worth listening to and learning about. And this one did that. It, it, it broke a lot of uh, genres in terms of like film. It, it was superheroes, but also a heist, but also a moral dilemma, but also a family, like a dysfunctional family. And it took the perspectives that I don't think we've ever actually seen from a quality show. So it was really fun. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of good things going for this. Uh, I mean, first of all, we can just start with uh, what a wholesome movie this was. There's no sexualization of anybody. There's like hardly any swearing. And it's still just a really like I was surprised by this because the trailer shows you, oh, it's going to be a retro 70s style superhero movie and it's just you know it's gonna have silliness and cheesiness which they definitely played up and played perfectly but that's not what it's about this is definitely a movie that takes advantage of the era that it's in where you know cape movies are literally coming out like every other week it feels like and they wanted to tell a very wholesome father-daughter story and they did an excellent job I was very impressed with the writing of, of how all the characters played off each other and how the story revealed its elements because you just you have no idea what's going on. And then even then, it was like the entire point of the show wasn't necessarily the reason for their kidnapping. The entire point of the movie was about the dysfunction of the family relationships. And I also, also loved the fact that they did... Uh, they brought back some classic writing tropes that I think have become a lost art in the last 10 years. And that's where they don't tell you everything. You have to watch the visuals and kind of make your own decisions for yourself. Like that last scene where they have that telepathic conversation, you don't really know what happens. And then they kind of seem to imply that, oh, maybe he died, but we don't know because it's, it's not really the point of the, of the story. And I think some people are going to complain about it. They're going to be like, oh, it didn't explain X, Y, and Z, which, I mean, honestly, if you need an explanation for everything, then I would recommend a book, which brings us to our sponsored segment. This stream tonight is brought to you by me. If you want to continue to support independent content much like this or original stories that have a lot of originality to them or at least aren't controlled by corporations and won't force you to watch your favorite characters go by the wayside then you can help me and other our other authors like myself and pick up a copy of galaxia today i also have an audiobook version that i put in 
uh, that I also wrote myself or that I also did the voices for myself and I produced and edited it. All right. And now back to the show. So yep. the Hyperion's really does a great job of giving you a story that doesn't require that leaves some things open-ended, but it's not like super critical points because you kind of get enough of the idea. The core of the story is there. It's well done. It's well acted by everybody. I mean, bringing in, I can't say this guy's name to save my life. I'm going to butcher it, but bringing in Carrie Elwes, Ilwes, Ills, I don't know how you say his name. One of my personal favorite actors. I've always liked him in everything I've seen him in Princess Bride, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Those are the two movies that have come to mind. Uh, he just gave it his all in this show, and it was believable. He felt like he just belonged in that era. He, it, it, We talked about it offline, John. This was when he wasn't playing himself. This was kind of like you could tell it was the character you're used to seeing on Princess Bride and Robin Hood Men in Tights. But at the same time, this was something... Not only new, but brilliant. And he did an excellent job. I mean, I, it's safe to say he pretty much carried the film in a lot of ways. Every scene he was in was, I would almost say perfect, but it was definitely good. I only kind of disagree with you on two of those points. One, I feel like he very much was the same character from, uh, not Princess Bride was the second one you said. Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Robin Hood, yes. So he's very much Robin Hood in the sense of he knew that what he was doing was for the greater good in total. But yeah. I think where he, and this is why I only kind of disagree with you on this point, is that he, we also finally got to see what would happen if Robin Hood took off the jokes. <laughs> Like he was finally like, yeah, like while he was trying to do good for goodness sake, he was doing a lot of bad that didn't feel like it mattered to him until suddenly it was ruining his entire empire. And he even tried to gaff it off. He tried to Robin Hood his way out of it. He's like, no, I'm I'm the hero. I created heroes. Like I don't deserve this mistreatment and this judgment especially not from people that i helped like i say like there's a lot of lines in this show in this movie about like how the kids get their powers and who they are to him and why and that's where i think this is the other point i disagree with i don't think he carried the show i think he carried the narrative for sure but more in terms of he justified everything like as far as ultimate villains go, even the one that started the entire events of the day wasn't really as bad as he was. And in, in order not to spoil anything, is why I'm trying to be intentionally vague, because I really do think you should see this, and especially if you enjoy things like um, the videos and cinematography from the tutorials of uh, Fallout Universe, where this movie had a few of those to like explain some things in quick events. And not only did they introduce slash transition to those scenes, that exposition that like 
most movies will spend the first half hour explaining this one glossed over with one to five minute ex- explanation tutorials it, it legit felt like i was watching a movie that i would actually sit my character down in fallout and watch all 90 minutes of and realize that i have now wasted an hour and a half of my character watching a movie and i enjoyed every second of it <laughs> because it's a fun movie like i so i it's really so do... good you would watch it inside another universe exactly but it also like it kind of felt like it vibed with that universe more than it does our universe you know which is weird because like i don't know if there's any connection but i felt one and i love that i felt one to something that could be completely unconnected and that's a really cool cool it relationship between like what the author or the writers and the visual team decided to use because yeah this looks really low budget and it probably was but they overcame it in some of the most unconventional and some things i just haven't seen since fallout and i thought that was really awesome i thought it was really fun but i also yeah i don't i don't really think that uh, the main character or i don't think carrie yules i think it's yules or Elves. I don't think he. El Wes. I don't think we've ever seen him before. Not like this. And I even I I had the uh, Psych episodes that he starred in. He was one of the most fun reoccurring characters slash bad guys in that show. And this didn't feel like that guy either. Like that's what he was doing between Robin Hood and this. And yet. I feel like I found a new actor. <laughs> like I, I he he played a character that wasn't himself and I think that's really cool. I think that was something I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. And I'm like it, it's really rewarding. The entire show, not to mention a lot of the uh the subtext. There's scenes that explain why everything is the way that it is and how it all got to be as maligned and malignant as it is while simultaneously never actually resolving any of that in some cases. And I think that's leaves it open for more. Like we didn't, you, like you said, it, we don't know if it ended with his death or if he went to sleep because, you know, he was in a hospital bed. But we definitely know that like, just because they said, I love you finally, doesn't mean all that trauma is gone. Correct. And that, that's really what I liked about the show was it, it really put emphasis on the dysfunction of, of families that have lots of money. See, the dad, is, dad was like, you know, you're so ungrateful because I set you up with all this money in retirement and I gave you all these things. I let you be a superhero for a time. He has a disconnect with his family, especially with his daughter, because he doesn't realize that it's not about the money. It's not about what you provide. That's a small component of being a father. A father is is more about trying to understand who your child is because your child is a living being. It's a soul. It's not just, whereas some people might convince themselves that, oh, oh, if I had rich parents that just gave me stuff and left me alone, I'd be the happiest kid ever. And you might be for a little while, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter without the human interaction, without the relationship. And that's really what it comes down to. And that's why, what I think he finally realizes at the end, 
I don't think he's, I don't think he's, and of course, this is what's nice is it's kind of non-spoiler because it's speculation. I don't think he's crying at the end because he dies. I think he's crying at the end because he finally, he finally, the regret sets in. He wishes that he had spent more time. It's not just the fact that the kids were being replaced with, with the younger generation. It's the fact that he just, he put too much focus on the newer kids and forgot about the other ones and assumed that he could just throw money at them and that they would be grateful and that that was enough. And so, yeah, I felt that there was a lot more to that, especially in terms of what was described on the screen. And he was also maligned. Like you, you talked about the dysfunction of rich families. And if you notice the scenes where the children are being replaced, the whole reason they're being replaced is because their media consultants are coming in and saying, your kids are giving you a bad image. And he assumes that he's already done everything for them and that they're going to be perfectly well off because he taught them how to fight. He taught them how to be independent. And, and you watch that because the show isn't about dependent children wanting daddy back. It's about children who never really felt loved by their father because their father kept being told to literally cease all contact. And their father was doing that because he cared a lot about his reputation but also, like I said earlier, for the greater good. He was creating superheroes. Like, this isn't a guy running an oil conglomerate this is a guy running a hero conglomerate and he felt that he was saving more lives than he was destroying and it wasn't until the end that he realized that like like we watch him constantly justify why he doesn't respond to his kids oh they're probably just asking for more money oh those greedy little punks and Nobody, like, at no point have we seen these kids act greedy. They're not even asking dad for anything except for his presence because it's literally necessary to their end goals. And that's this, like, thing that makes everything... That's what really tied this show up is that, like, they deal with legit dysfunctional families in a fictional universe with fictional powers, but they also, like they don't make the kids out to be these outcasts, reckless idiots. Instead, they are put in a really bad situation because of the things that their father did to them. And because their father, like literally, if you were this rich and you're this powerful, why don't you have constant security on your children and your children's children? Right? So he's already a negligent father from a rich person's perspective, but he's also a negligent father from a father's perspective because he didn't have the relationship with his kids because he was busy being a businessman in the business of heroism. And that I, I feel like there were so many distractions that he couldn't be the father he needed to be because the world didn't want a father. They just wanted what they thought a father was and they got that as long as the kids were perfect or were always new kids and that was was really well written what they wanted was obligatory like and subscribe remark 
an image. They wanted the product. They wanted the show. They wanted the idea that the family was functional and that the kids were going to be forever young. And there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of, of implications that go into that. And that's honestly, it, it's, it really just does. So what I like about it too that's is... really interesting. You, you, you kind of make me think of uh, child actors. Right. That's exactly Parents what, of child actors. That's what I feel is it's also got a commentary on as well. Like there's a lot of different little pieces that this movie focuses on. And what I like is while it does create it, uh, the idea, the concept itself is the reason I'm disappointed. It's not a show and why I would enjoy watching a show. It doesn't have to like continue to follow these different dynamics. It could be its own thing, but I really got into the concept, the whole DNA matching. And that's how the power is integrated with the per with the user. I was like, okay, that's that's some somebody took the time to actually make that concept believable, and that's probably what I with, what I liked in a, you know along with everything else about the fact that the story isn't even really about superheroes; it's about the dysfunction. It's a, it's a father daughter story that was very unsuspecting, but it just comes off. It's, it's they they there's a lot of love in this movie. This is a project that everybody was excited to do this is a project that people were happy you could tell that everybody who worked on this was happy to come into work every day because they gave their best and it shows i mean this is what non-corporate production looks like this is what happens when independent media truly starts to take off is now we're getting shows that aren't they don't Daily Wire isn't necessarily doing this because they want to, like, you know, make billions of dollars. I mean, maybe they do. I'm sure that, I mean, money is what I don't think kind of we runs our world. speculate on other people's intentions, especially real people's intentions. Right. But, but what I'm, the point I'm getting at is they're doing this because they want to create stories that are free from the corporate monopoly. They don't want to conform to the rules. They just want to make stories. I mean, the banner page that I couldn't find, I was going to try and I was going to show it on the Daily Wire website when I got my subscription going specifically says woke free entertainment. And that's really what everybody's entertainment model should be is, yes, it's okay to put your message in whatever it is. I don't care if I agree with your message or not. It's okay to keep it in there. It's just like I mentioned with Severance, you can't insult your audience. You have to respect your audience. And that's what Severance does. That's why I like Severance. And that's what this show, that's what this movie did. Is it didn't even make you feel it, it didn't it didn't try to push anything. It just told a good story. And that's the part of the lost art of storytelling that we don't have. Instead, it's like, here's this super powerful badass that's flawless. Don't you want to be like them? And I'm like, sure, that's what we should try to set our goal for every day. But that's not realistic. That's not a that's not a value you're teaching. That's an unrealistic, unhealthy aspiration to try and strive for. While perfection is a decent goal to have, you can't let obsession take it over. And this this movie shows what happens when you do give a decent amount of when you do get a decent amount of money for a production because what they did was they took their budget, they stylized it to what their limitations were. And it's just, it's a beautiful work of art on so many levels. And it didn't have to do any of the traditional, it's not violent. It, it's one guy gets shot with a bullet. There's, then, a, there's a lot of graphic images in the last 
10 minutes, I want to say. Eh, I didn't even really feel they were that bad, but I guess that's how desensitized I've become. Thanks, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, um, I, a Thank few you, points, Squad. A few points on that. I, I, I don't want to assume what Daily Wire's intentions are just because I've done that enough and been proven wrong by a lot of people I thought actually were honorable. Uh, so, like, when it comes to a corporation, I just don't think corporations are capable of achieving honor. Though, I recognize quality when I see it, and this is this is 100% quality. I, I think what Daily Writer did, whether or not it was intended, is they trusted that the people in charge of this product were going to release a quality product, and they that's what they paid like they got what they paid for and i feel like what this movie does is it it does take a lot of normal things you've seen from the superhero genre from the bankai genre from the family hero genre just from a lot of genres we've all seen before and they they don't necessarily flip them on their head but instead use them to their advantage they write like writers are actually trying to compete with other writers. They film like other low-budget studios are trying to compete with other low-budget studios. And that's where I think they really shined, is that they actually achieved that image of quality entertainment. Like If you're, if you're going to claim to be an entertainment channel, an entertainment producer, you better be entertaining. And this was my absolute first introduction to their entertainment wing and i loved it i loved every bit about it and and i was reserved because i i i don't like the idea of woke or anti-woke media because that's just woke woke media you can't be woke about the woke and then say you're not woke um it's a circle and specifically and it's, it's woke free entertainment which you know is what they're they're trying to sell they're trying to market have to, to know what all the woke people are being woke about to be woke free otherwise you're just slapping a label on a can and calling it good for you well i think the concept of wokeness isn't limited to a political ideology no i, I don't think it's a, that's what i mean is yeah. you can't say it's woke free it's like saying it's sugar free but then putting aspartame in it <laughs> you're swapping one carcinogen for another but that's, that's just what it. i mean i didn't feel like there was a political pull one way or another with this with oh this i felt movie. like there was a ton of political pull in this movie but more from the terms of, of being your own individual like I said, wow, like each okay. of the kids, you, you get all of this like malignant and maligned imagery from each of the characters that are like talked about, whether it's the fans of the now adult child stars. And they're just like, what? We finally get to meet you. You were the one that was the child when I was a child and I always dreamed of being you. And they're like, yeah, I'm really broken, emotionally devastated. I'm a broken human being. And they're like, well, that explains why you're here. <laughs> but they don't, they don't, they didn't change their opinions of them. They were still just like, why are you betraying my image? But still, like, I got held up by my favorite superhero. Kind of like a win lose situation, especially because, like, none of these people owned 
the museums. Like none of them feel like they were losing their property. All they were thinking is, oh, I'm gonna have to do more work tomorrow. And and that's where I think the the uh, the political comes in. Is this movie really shows that no matter how powerful you are, you're not good. You are you. And if you don't consciously make good, nice, appropriate decisions every single time, you are going to make people mad at you. You're going to hurt people. You're going to risk hurting people. You're going to put people at risk. And that's, that's I think, the political implications of this is it's the, the heroes didn't save the day because they are the main source of the problem of the day. Yet, I feel like I had a resolved quality superhero ending. Weird. S- such quality writing and, and, and such a good message. It's about what you do today. It's about what you choose to do tomorrow actively that's going to decide whether or not you're a good person. You don't yeah. get to just bank on the goodness of yesterday. Yeah, and that's what I really enjoyed about it was it, it changed the... it. it it was good writing because it started with a story. Then we had compelling characters. And then it was whatever else comes next. And that's mm. really the step. That, that's that's honestly. If I was to basically cement the Ten Commandments of writing, it would literally be the three commandments. Story. Characters. Everything else. And maybe even a fourth commandment of. Be Lord. smart with your message. I, I don't care what your message is. I really don't. I, I, I in the sense of it's not going to bother me if you want to bring some commentary to certain subjects that are sensitive. You have to do it respectfully, and you have to do it intelligently. You can't just. It, it, I would even go so far as to say that. And again, I'm not trying to turn this into a political stream. This is just. Uh, this is just objective discussion. I would even go so far as to say that the Left Behind movies are basically a form of Christian wokeness. I don't like those movies. They are stupid because it's it's literally it's a it's a it's a silly concept not to get too philosoph- philosophical about it. But the entire idea of the movie is to just scare the hell out of you. It's fear porn. And so that same thing you can apply to literally any other product that's 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 similar in that sense of you know it's just garbage. It's not good. It's it's not very good. Well, not well written. Your characters are not believable, and your concept is based off of one person's interpretation of a religious text. I... And so that's that's what I'm. That's what I mean when I'm like anti woke. I'm not saying like you know I'm I'm specifically against your politics. I'm against the way you carry your politics. I'm against the way you carry yourself. I... And that's what I find most insulting about woke wokeism is just I... the fact that we're gonna beat you over the head with our ideology. I don't care I, what your ideology is. Just don't beat me over the head with it. Uh, yeah, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I'm hearing is you're saying you're not a pro, uh, you're not you're not opposed to people having differing opinions. You just hate the way the people are using those opinions. I wouldn't say I hate it, but yes, I'm very disappointed by the way some people try to get their views across. And I'm guilty of it, too. I I definitely have have failed to get my point across properly. And it's not I'm not saying this as a way of of coming down on people or holier than thou, because I'm not. I'm just (laughs) 
I'm just as screwed up as everybody else, and I'm certainly not perfect. I just know that that we can be better, and we can tell better stories. And that's what Daily Wire is doing. Is they're not there's nothing in here that the the movie doesn't interrupt with a Ben Shapiro commercial. They don't inject any of their uh, political garbage into no Donald the, uh, Trump ads, but. They don't inject their political views into the movie like, you know, subliminally. They just told Dude, a good story. I don't story. even know what city this was filmed in. I don't, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, fictionally or in terms of like, like the universe didn't. I don't remember naming, hearing a city named and I didn't care. You're right. And, and that's what made this one so fun is like I've I've been studying up on writing quite a bit for the last few years and in my studies there's so much emphasis on what you give to your audience so as to keep them coming back for more and i feel like this movie broke most of the rules while simultaneously following them because i i want to add one so far i think we're at five commandments now i think number five is you must have lore slash background you have to know the entire existence of your fictional world slash universe yeah, so that you that. can always control it. Because if you don't know where it came from, you're going to create Star Wars. Like Star Wars is, I'm always going to go back to it because it's absolutely the thing that makes me want to be a writer. It's the thing that makes Same me here. want to create a universe in my myself. And in that essence, the thing that Star Wars did is it created the potential for new universes while simultaneously being one of the most convoluted universes in modern history. And I think that's where this movie did itself some favors is they had background for one family in this unknown city slash world with my... like all of the other background that they expressed on the world and the events that the kids did were used they used action figures and drawings and i thought that was a hilarious low budget way of very creative also being depictive descriptive without all like 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 i said like with and you brought this up like the idea of the whole dna binding switch to give you a specific power according to you and you you alone is amazing it's fun it's weird but they didn't take the time to go well because dna has these six fragments we used this technology to do that and then like if you're any kind of person in that science realm where you go yeah that technology doesn't do that at all right instead this show just goes no, we made a button that does what we say it does. And we're not going to get convoluted with unnecessary details that make it more realistic. We're dealing with superheroes, chill. Like, I, yeah, I really do feel like this show was a few writers, few producers, few directors that said, we know what we're doing. Don't let the market team in here until we're done. They can market the finished product. They cannot manipulate the middle. And that's where I think that's why I think this movie killed on yeah, such a low budget. Yeah, it was also budget. written by the director, which can also 
really very helped. much set the set the expectation of a of a good or bad series. Which so it's it's obvious, and that that's clear that he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly how he wanted this to be presented, and he he basically not only I, I'm always impressed with writer directors who successfully write something out and then put their vision on screen. I mean. You still have to make compromises, you know. You, when you write a story, this is probably okay. Another commandment, <laughs> number six or something like it, is uh, don't limit yourself on your writing. Write the story you want to say, because I wrote, I wrote a script once for a movie. It was going to be called Post Check, and it was basically going to be about a security guard doing post checks. And it was probably one of the most, the biggest pile of dog shit I have ever written in my life. It was probably the worst thing that I ever came up with. Because when I sat down to write it, I wrote it out within a, within a budget. And when I did that, the quality of the story we wanted to try and tell suffered. I had a couple of funny jokes in there, but it just came off like a pile of crap because it was a pile of crap and i would probably revisit the concept again but i'm never gonna write a story on a budget if someone tells me to write a story hey we have you know three thousand dollars make a movie i'm just gonna say well i'm gonna start with what i feel i would make a good story and we can trim from there it's easier to take away the fat than to have to add stuff and to have to make changes. And, and I mean, you, you see that in a lot of products. Um, Solo could have been a better movie if Ron Howard had started it from the beginning. But they had to go back and do a bunch of changes and stuff because I guess there was some childish fart jokes that thankfully didn't make it into the final cut. And that's also where your quality can suffer. And so it seems like John knew it's John McDonald, the writer-director, knew exactly what he wanted. And he did it. And he probably started with a story and then started to reduce the budget. That's why you make an excellent point. They do some of the story they tell with animations and they tell it with other fun stuff. That's that's just, yeah, the movie's great on so many levels. I I, I think we're going to use our, we're going to use the, the seven point scale because why not? And so introducing, this is the debut of our new seven point scale for rating stuff. Seven just feels like a nice odd number to use instead of five, like everyone else, or ten. Ten's well, too much of a whole number. Three on either side of the middle. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna give this one honestly. It's a solid six for me. Six out of seven. Uh, I'm I'm gonna break it up into a few points. I uh, writing seven out of seven. Film six out of seven. five out of seven. Oh, just because of some the of saturation. Our prototype metrics. Nice. Well, I, mostly it's just between the two. Like the writing is a hundred percent, seven out of seven, nailed it. It was a quality story. I enjoyed listening. I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed being a part of it. I didn't feel cheated. I didn't feel mistreated. I felt like I watched a film that I will tell people to watch. Hence why I'm here telling as many people as I can to watch. But as far as like, is it the most quality film you're gonna see this year not even close not top 10 but is it uh, something that... you will never regret watching even in the future because it uses the quality of 4k in the style of 80s 70s 50s i don't know it is old 
old some of the scenes look super old but they did it in 4k quality so if they ever you know make 8k it can still be enhanced and you're still going to watch the same movie i watched when i watched it and i think that is something that hasn't happened lately you've brought it up in the past with star wars and it's cgi they went in and re-released more cgi to cover the mistakes of old cgi this movie a can't do that because it didn't feel like there was any cgi and b doesn't ever ever need to do any of that because all of its effects seemed part of the story like even though they were very clearly supposed to be magical powers and you know fantastic they used i I, it's not childish because children couldn't imagine that that's insane they They used a lot of integration rudimentary well i mean more in terms of like like the teleporting powers you can see in the trailer it's a very cartoon-esque teleporting power and they instead Mm -hmm. of making that feel cheap because they had to use the low budget animation they made it feel like it belonged in this world they owned it yes they owned their budget they so, yeah. flat out embraced and and just went full on, you know, hammer down. We're just this is our product, and we're gonna own this story. And like I said, it it's the, 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 yeah, that's why I give it the high marks that I do just on the base level because it's visually it's fun to watch. It's creative. It was it was you know yeah we've seen the retro thing before, but this was a different kind of retro that they just used that to tell the story it wasn't the primary focus this isn't a this isn't so much a concept film it's an art piece i mean i disagree i think it might be one of the best movies of the year we'll see you're still nine months out when i'm saying movies of the year rather i strictly mean visuals uh that's why i only gave those two the the two metrics and the difference between writing and visuals is purely like the only reason i have to lower the visuals is the saturation of the lights was killing me it just felt too bright well but that's it everything else about it whether it was the in low budget transitions or the you you called it retro i don't think this was technically retro because i feel like the like i said with the whole fallout point is fallout has nothing to do with reality and they made up their own retro tv to align with their timeline but like that was modern retro and i feel like this was a lot more that it was like a modern version it's it was it was more like if somebody described retro to somebody and had pictures yeah rather than if somebody actually lived in the 80s and tried to make a retro or in the 80s in the 70s in the 50s and tried to make a retro recreation like this really just felt like somebody liking pieces of retro and bringing those pieces back and i yeah i think they did it perfectly yeah i uh like i said i i really thoroughly enjoyed this movie i'm looking forward to more products from daily wire i think they've got a a good flow and a good they got a good thing going and it's gonna be i'm i'm definitely excited to see the production quality granted it's i think it's a different crew that's doing terror on the prairie but the fact that daily wire is actually investing money in good products and they're just they're doing it right you know I, I, again 
disagree with their politics, their political shows, that's that's fine. You don't have to watch their politics. You don't have to follow that stuff. You you can ignore that completely and recognize that this is a good movie. This just is. This is something I will probably watch again in a few months just just to you know maybe reconfirm but i felt satisfied with this story i was glad i spent the hour and a half like i said i'm disappointed it's not a show i think it would be an interesting concept to explore as a show in of itself um but like i said you're not going to get the dynamic that you did with this movie this movie is special in a standalone by itself if it's the only product that's ever made that's fine too it's just i was yeah i was blown away i'm looking forward to terror on the prairie with gina carano and uh, I think it's I think it's got a lot going for it. So any uh, anything else on Hyperions? I think we've really touched on all the major points. Um, it's worth a view. If, oh, absolutely. If, if you've got access to it, if you are willing to get access to it, if you think you might want to watch it, you should. Uh, Definitely worth burning a free trial on. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it was fun. It was funny. It was heartwarming. It was just all around a worthwhile film. And I really hope it gets the views it deserves so that yeah. more people can watch it and they can create more like it. Like, I wouldn't mind if they released a updated budget version of this in, the, in a sequel where the characters do get upgraded uniforms. I wouldn't mind seeing updates to this as long as they keep the things that did so well, which is the old school stuff that made this universe a universe. It's a very small universe, but it's absolutely a universe that I want to continue to be a part of and I will continue to support. I would certainly enjoy it more that way, but I'm also okay if it's a standalone product and they just decide to maybe take some of the concepts and do something completely different. Um, because, like I said, the story is very unique. No matter what they add on to it, this is not going to change. I mean, hopefully it's not. Because I really don't feel I need a prequel series to explain this movie or any kind of direct sequel. It would, it would, have, to be, it would have to be smartly detached from this film. This movie deserves to stand alone in its own glory by itself. So, yeah. yes, I'm fine with expanding the universe. But just make sure that the rule is... We don't touch the Hyperion's movie. We just leave it alone. That's all I would have to say on that. So, John, why don't you go ahead and uh, set us up for our next segment. We are discussing GTA Online, a.k.a. GTA 5, a.k.a. GTA 5.3 or something like that. I don't even know... Yeah, it, it, it came I, out I what on the Xbox it. 360, and then it came out with the remastered version that you had to buy again on the uh, Xbox One, and now they're coming out with the re-remastered version on the PS5, Xbox Series X, and I guess the computers. And uh, honestly, man. Rockstar, you're getting super greedy, and this time officially your greed got disrespectful. Uh, anybody who's been on GTA, uh, I don't know who's been on the longest. I know I've been on since the 360. I know I've bought GTA 5 online 
at least five times from my own bank account. I bought it for the Xbox One for my brothers and I, my, the younger brothers of Parker and I's family. And I, I bought it for my personal PlayStation 4. I bought it for my personal Xbox One after I sold my PlayStation 4. And then I bought it for a couple of my friends so that they could play with me. And now I feel for the first time that I wasted money because I've, I'm basically an honorary club member and yet I don't have access to the new console. When I do get access to the new console, they're going to ask me to pay more even though I've been here this whole time supporting everything they've done. I've played every single heist at least once. I've played every single submission. I own almost everything that you can own in the game in terms of the the build, the offices, the bunkers, the plane, like the cool planes. I don't own each and every one of them because I didn't put that much effort into uh, making all the money. But like, I feel like I've been here for so long and the one time that you're literally just offering a graphics update, you still think you deserve money. And while your employees, everybody that put any effort into this game deserves money, why don't you use all of the profits from the last 10 years to just pay them and not charge us? Like, yeah. you want to keep us coming back, but like now GTA 6 better be perfect because if it's even one iota in the direction of Cyberpunk, you're going to choke. And in Rockstar, you deserve it if you do that. You're greedy. I'm calling you greedy. I'm still here. I'm still playing. Honestly, but you hurt me. Disrespected yeah. me. Yeah, and it's. It, I'm impressed that they managed to get this far um, with their. With, let's just call this what it is. It's Grand Theft Auto Dead Cow. I mean, they are really just milking milking the piss out of this thing and honestly after the response to the definitive edition the fact that they have the audacity to try and repackage grand theft auto 5 for like the seventh time i i yeah i don't even want to play i don't want to touch it anymore and it's super grindy as is and they barely do anything about cheaters it feels like and so it, it's just because they don't care they have money they have they have enough money to not care but i think we may very well see you know it's really unfortunate that they're not paying attention to the climate because blizzard thought they were invincible too and they are world of warcraft is the lowest it's ever been in history because their product is garbage and Grand Theft Auto is following in the same line. I honestly thought after Definitive Edition, they would have pulled their heads out of their asses and actually tried to get out a quality product. And instead, now they're just going to repackage Grand Theft Auto V again and make you pay for it. And you and, already said it. Go for it. You're already a die. You're already a diehard fan who's already given so much and bought all these different versions of the game throughout the years. And now you're finally starting to realize that, oh, they're just, they're basically going to keep shipping you the same crap sandwich and calling it something new until you stop buying. That's really the worst part that. about this is, is they're not calling it something new. They don't, they fully acknowledge what they're doing. They don't go, this is GTA five plus. 
where if you buy it on this new console, you get more good stuff. They right. say this is GTA 5 a little bit extra because the console can finally catch up. And the thing that like really pisses me off about it, and, and it's so such a betrayal to the fans and to the customers, is that they legitimately know for a fact that the sales of the SSX, the sales of the PS5 are 100% stagnant and nobody has this console. Yet they still have the audacity to keep selling this. Like, I don't care if you create it and charge for it, but the fact that you're marketing about it so that somebody with the XSX has to do a video about it to also market it so their channel, you know, maintains the views that they're getting. Like, you literally are pitting the rich against the poor and there's more of us than there is you. All we have to do to crush your entire game is just not play for six months. If everybody boycotts GTA 6 on release, you will literally implode because you're running negative on your profits. Most companies, most corporations, especially most AAA producers, are running on loans. All we have to do is wait till those loans kick in, you go bankrupt, and we get your bank game for free or cheap. Well, and I we can crush you. There's too. more of us than there are you. Well, and I, I also want to clarify too. We're not wishing this. We're not wishing Rockstar to fail at all. We no, I'm granted, saying know your audience. It's it's more that we're getting we're getting angry at the disrespect, and it, that's exactly what this is. It's another. It's the, you're repackaging the same game just on a newer platform, slightly updated visuals. I even I don't even think the trailer looked that good from what I'd seen. It, it's, it's just this. It's the same crap. There's no new areas. There's no new expansion. There's nothing. And no. the problem is, and I'm not there's saying this hat. to come down on the audience at all. It's simply because you keep playing. You keep buying shark cards. They're just going to keep giving you, like, because they're not going to see it as an incentive to invest time and money in a new game if you're satisfied, which, according to the data, the numbers, the player base, enough of the player base is still satisfied with this product. If That's the why they were able to just was satisfied, they wouldn't have to kick so many modders from fixing their game. If the player base was satisfied, they wouldn't have to go to the community for all the outreach and all the things that the community has literally taken the time to fix. It was an outside third-party individual who just loved GTA, who found the source code for GTA, rewrote it, and was able to reduce load times by 30%. It wasn't Rockstar. It wasn't the industry. It wasn't the marketing execs. And it wasn't the CEOs, the writers, or any of them. It wasn't even the coders. It was an individual. So, like, get off your fake castle. You are still a gamer. If you own Rockstar, you play Rockstar games. If you are a part of Rockstar writing in the codes for Rockstar, you're a gamer. And gamers only exist because we wanted to break the system and be free of all the arbitrary BS. And now you've become the most grandiose deviation from that original intent. You are the opposite of rebellion. You are the very thing that all of your radio shows in GTA Online shit on. 
Rockstar. Like you have literally become the super become the greedy corporate FIB. Yeah. You deserve now, to be robbed of all your riches. And I'm gonna cheer with the main characters of the original game, which I forgot because I haven't played in that long. I only played the online and I only jump in on the online so I can get the free car from the wheel spin and then I drop off and go play a real game. Because you don't have any content, you have super long load screens. And uh, you keep asking for money and you give me very, very little reason to come yeah. into your world and spend it. It's almost been 10 years and there hasn't been there hasn't been any effort made to expand the game. Like, we should have more play areas by now. There should at least be either Lost Venturas, which they decided to, you know, they were originally going to, I think the original plan was to put in Lost Venturas and, and San Fierro and all the rest of San Andreas over time. Instead, they scrapped that and gave us a casino, which apparently was enough for players. And, I, you know, yeah, there's it all boils down to a simple phrase that a good friend of mine says often and i'm definitely going to apply it to grand theft auto is without respect we reject and if unless the only thing right now that would definitely change my tune is if gta 6 rolls out and it's like that's where all money went if they took half the profits of grand theft auto online or more and that was all being rolled into GTA 6, and it's going to be a huge, expansive sandbox game, and I get to port all my stuff over to it, then fine. It was worth it in the end. It was worth the 10-year wait to get there. But it, it, they got ripped for this a couple years ago when they repackaged GTA 5 again. And in the initial release for the PS5 and the, X, and the Series X, they got ripped apart for it. And they don't care. They think, oh, honestly, players, That's I don't think you're stupid. I don't think you're dumb at all because you just want to play a game that you love playing. And don't get me wrong. I have a flying DeLorean in Grand Theft Auto Online. I do enjoy playing it. There are aspects of the game I like. I don't necessarily blame you. I just want you to understand that Rockstar thinks you're an idiot. They think well, you are a gullible dumbass yeah. who's going to keep spending money. I don't That's again I don't want to I don't want to assume other people's intent and feelings or judgments but when it comes down to it Rockstar has literally become the thing they said set out to destroy like you're Anakin and you're not even Darth Vader yet Rockstar because you have at the very least given us reasons to come back like he said the delorean that one's fun i like every time i watch or, or i hear about a new gta release i i give it a shot the coyote or yeah, Kyo, the, the prosecco heist or whatever it's called i love that one i beat it like five times now and it's fun the thing that i see as disrespectful the thing that like this is why you can't blame the players this is a hundred percent on rockstar it doesn't matter what they think about the players it matters what they're doing to them like, they're exploiting them nobody loves a bully and finally we can all talk about you and you can't do anything about it it used to be that if a local news media tried to you know disparage gta or something gta could sue them for libel but uh we're not being libelous. Story hit piece was yeah. 
Right. Well, that's the thing is because it was a story and it was a paid for writing and all this stuff. We're not being paid by anybody. We're coming at you as players. The people that you think are just 100% going to buy everything you sell out. Turns out, buddy, we're not. And this time, one of us for sure is hurt. You know? And, And I think that's what Rockstar really needs to do is, yes, there are people like Joe Rogan out there that say, get off the social medias, don't listen to the haters, stay away from the dissenters. If you're an individual content creator, absolutely. If you are a multinational conglomerate, get your head back in that sand because we're actually yelling at you for justified reasons. So to segue you deserve into our, to listen to social segue media. into our more happy segment. Um, one of the things I actually review when I decide to pick a new game to play is I actually go straight to the negative reviews. I occasionally read I do read some of the positive reviews. Don't misunderstand me, please. But I really want to put focus on what people complain about, which brings us to our last segment, our initial thoughts on Black Desert Online. Black Desert Online is a Korean MMO that released in 2014, made it into the American market in North America in 2017. And uh, John, why don't you share your first thoughts? Uh, That character creator? It's distracting, man. Definitely rivals Star Trek Online. I, I not unfortunately as good, wouldn't but definitely know definitely there. I uh, tried to get into STO this week. Did not work. Uh, we'll get still into working that on it. But uh, no, in terms of what this game is, is I really felt like it was a more close-up individual Diablo 3. Uh, I spent over... 200 hours playing Diablo 3 with my friends when I graduated high school and the uh, dark something or other version came out uh, that the biggest DLC of that time is about a year after the original release and I love Diablo 3 and getting into Black Desert Online like it is hard on the Xbox on the Xbox One X it's definitely it has its limitations it's glitchy choppy uh it's free on game pass so i will not complain about those things i will just make any prospective audience members aware of those things but again it's free so i very down the graphics on your xbox i don't know i'm not that uh savvy well (laughs) because i'm running this on a 2080 super and i'm at max settings and it i mean occasionally it drops frames but not like Honestly, the visuals are impressive. It's very mm-hmm. similar to Lost Ark in that sense that it's it's just it's got a lot of visuals as you can kind of see. This is actually, I believe, taken from the in-game engine, even though it's a cutscene. Yeah, this I'm game... impressed with what I've seen. What I heard about when I read a lot of the negative reviews, one of the main consistencies was complaints about the grind. And um have any of you All ever grinded before? Grinds. What? No, to your comment, has any person that complained about the grind ever had to actually grind before? There was because one this game doesn't that, have a grind. There was one person that posted a negative review after 5,000 hours of play. And by the time I read it, they had 10,000 hours of play already clocked in. So at the 5,000 mark, they're complaining about the grind. They're complaining about supposed predatory practices, which I have yet to come across. 
uh, which even if those are there, um, Another consistent review I noticed was people complaining about predatory practices. I, I think that's just a projection for lack of self-control because I don't feel compelled to have to buy stuff. I do it because I want to. And if there's, is this game pay to win? Depending on what metric you use, arguably yes, uh, but it's not exclusively pay to win. I would say that subscription-based games are more pay to win than this game. This game is pay to win in the sense that you get conveniences, you can get higher armor faster than everybody else, but it's you're you're just buying you're just buying time, and that's the so that goes to my my issue about people complaining about the fact that it's a it's a grind. All video games are grinds. Yes, even story based video games are a type of grind. We don't realize it because well, typically if you're in an immersive story and you're progressing through it, it's what you want to do. So the best way to describe it is it's been described, Hannah described it as kind of like an open world sandbox type game where your quests are very episodic. There isn't like an overall story arc going on, except if you start a season character, but even that story arc is just kind of more of a soft introduction. It's kind of just more of a get in and have fun and play whatever you want. But the combat is astounding. I mean, I feel very much like a, badass when i'm I playing like this game we should state how we played the game obviously i'm on xbox yes. how are you playing it i'm playing it on pc are you playing it console or console controller or mouse and key nice i yeah. i dude i liked the combat in this game over diablo because i didn't really get much past the tutorial because i got really really hard into elden ring again this week but I, I got pretty... I got up to, like, level 13 or something like that. Uh, I think I'm tracking level 19 myself. What class yeah. did you go with? I went with the Dark Knight. No, oh, okay. I went with the Sorceress. Oh, the I, I watched this whole video on the character classes. And one of them said that she is one of the most difficult to learn. But if you figure out her skills, they're almost unparalleled. Yeah. Especially in PvP. And so me being the masochist, video game masochist that I am, that was the final selling point. Uh, no, this game is like I one I watched a, a review of this game when it was suggested as a topic and I immediately heard the pay to win thing. And I watched a few other videos by the same YouTuber just to double check that they weren't being overzealous in their definition. And I didn't think they were until I played the game and I realized I was watching the video of a kid. Um, I've been playing games that you have to grind forever. Like I was level 81 and a half in Skyrim before the middle of the game. Grinding is not only a known trait of every video game you ever play it's also called leveling up faster than the story so that you can beat the story quickly and if you have a problem with that stop trying to cheat the game just get good like the, in almost every game like i i've been studying too much of game design almost every game is set for you to progress exactly with the game if you play the content in the right order your levels will match you will achieve the goal you want to achieve now this game offers you pve and pvp 
And that's where I think the pay to win metrics keep coming from is like, oh, you can just buy the game, buy a bunch of costumes, and now you are a high enough level to kick ass in PvP. But I, to me, PvP died a long time ago. If I really want to actually deal with other people and their skills, I'll go on Call of Duty because at least I have some skills there. Yeah. Like, this game, as far as PvE goes, it, I, I didn't. I have yet to walk into a place where I don't belong. I, and I run around and done all this really fun stuff, and seen and I. I mean, I ignore a lot of dialogue boxes. I don't care much for story that isn't in your story face. Story feels inconsequential in this game. Yeah, it, it, I honestly like a lot of games like this, and in Elden Ring. Honestly, I'm going to bring this one up just because I read this. Uh, Vice article and some idiot wrote that it's really boring and it doesn't have a story. And I say some idiot because if you watch literally any YouTube video on the story, you will find that it has hours of playable story content that lead to cinematics that can be followed very methodically, very easily. And if you're, you know, good at combat, you'll be able to watch all of the Elden Ring story. But as far as like boring goes in Elden Ring, it doesn't exist. You run around the world, you fight, and then you run away if you're in the wrong room. And See, it's all about exploration. It's like, like, I honestly feel like this is the only way my generation, our generation, is ever going to be anything close to Magellan or Marco Polo. See, like, and that's, and you bring up a, a very good point about this is what I'm starting to notice with a lot of reviews is. This is one of the things that we want to try and do with our show is try to bring more objectivity and respectfulness. And and I think we got a little carried away with complaining about Grand Theft Auto, but at the same time, our complaint wasn't about the game itself. The game is fine. It is. The game's phenomenal. I love GTA 5. I love GTA 5 online. We specifically spoke about certain practices of the fact that they're just insulting the audience. And I think that's that's really what needs to be addressed here with with stuff like that i'm not interested in putting out a review with my personal opinion to to to, to, i I used to be when i was a kid and i realized that it's not appropriate for me to downplay it to basically trash talk somebody else's product just because of my personal opinion and my personal biases um that also is what prevented me from enjoying a lot of other games was the fact that i would uh I would just get so loyalist towards brands. Now, don't get me wrong. I still love Star Trek Online, playing for 12 years, going to play for 12 more years, if not more. And But I'm not going to trash talk someone who doesn't like STO. And if someone doesn't like STO because they're not into it, that is a valid reason to not like the game. It is not a valid reason to give the game a bad review. And that's where I want to try drawing the lines of, of, yes, while art is mostly subjective, it's not entirely subjective and there is an objective way to look at various art and products and that's what we're trying to inspire here at the writer brothers is we want to give we want to give products a fair shot and we want to give them a fair shot just based on what they present and this game is different from a lot of mmos and that's what you have to be to stand out in the mmo market you can't just show up with the same stuff that everyone else is doing and try to be a success you've got to take some risks and so what Black Desert did is it 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 
Hannah says it plays like Skyrim, which I've never played that. I know, not a real gamer, whatever. Um, I just never got around to it, and I've seen it played. I can appreciate the people that play it. I just never felt the need to do it myself, and now I'm already invested in this game, and it, it I can, I can at least appreciate the appeal through this product. And so I'm not going to say that, oh, Skyrim's garbage because I, you know, I, I'm not in it. That's literally the same as giving a negative review because you don't like the genre. That's like somebody who loves Lord of the Rings giving a review of Star Trek and saying it sucks because it takes place in space and has spaceships. That is an opinion. That is not an objective fact. That is just your opinion. It's You're not allowed even to an have educated opinion. opinion. <laughs> but it's not fair to disparage somebody else's work based off of only your opinion that's what we want to try that's why we dissect shows that's why we review stuff because we want to look at and, and that's why we're coming up with our metrics we want to look at story we want to look at characters we want to look at writing we want to give a fair shake on everything that we can and that's why in our gta review that we just had we weren't being negative because you know we're you know it sucks we love the product we want to keep the product successful that's why i do reviews my Star Cruiser review wasn't to jump on the bandwagon and talk trash talk Star Cruiser. It was to jump on the bandwagon and say, I want to go enjoy Star Cruiser. Please don't charge $6,000 for something stupid. And so well, I think that's what we're trying to do here. And so, well, yes, some people might not like the grind. Some people might not like the way this game's presented. It's okay to not like things. But you can't hurt somebody else's product. When you say, when you put out a negative review, People do take that stuff seriously. And you want to try and not influence their decision. Which some of those negative reviews, I have to give credit where due. Some of them I read were articulate in that point. They were like, look, if you like this stuff, you're going to like this game. But if you're looking for X, Y, and Z, just like I say with Lost Ark, the only reason I don't tell people to get into Lost Ark is not because I want it to fail. I want it to succeed. I like Lost Ark. It was a fun game when I played it. I just know that you're going to miss out on an audience that you otherwise wouldn't get. If I go and tell somebody who's really into transmog and character customization to play Lost Ark, they're going to play it for like an hour and they're not going to want anything to do with it. Because if character creation and individual identity is important to somebody, they're not going to play. And, and I'm not looking at it as, oh, don't ever touch Lost Ark. I've specifically told people, just wait till they release more custom skins. And so that's that's what I want to try and encourage and inspires within people. Like, yes, if you're into a game that's big on story, that's really just rich in lore, and this one does have a pretty rich lore, but it's it's just executed differently. If you want something that's immersive, that's an adventure, okay, this might not quite be the game for you. However, if you want something that's similar to Sea of Thieves, if you're looking for something that's independent, that you can just go do whatever you want while doing badass stuff like we see on the screen here yeah give it a try i mean it's free on game pass so yeah if you have game pass absolutely try it out and if you don't like it at least you tried it whereas you know if if you're like me on steam ten dollars i could look at the trailer and i knew ten dollars was going to be my money's worth I, I would get that out of it and i already have it i only have one character um and i'm already looking forward to playing all the other classes and so to get back into our game review um, I do like that this game has, uh, gender locked roles because it does it in a good way. And what I mean by that is there are mirrored classes for each gender. Um, not all of them, but there's a couple of them that I don't think have them yet. However, 
that's what kind of makes the game more diverse in a sense because instead of everybody being able to be the same one you might have to get out of your comfort zone if there's a character type that you like that you want to play you might have to play a gender you don't normally play so it kind of makes players have to break that comfort zone and, and, and experience different play style two it empowers each role because it makes them unique because now it's like okay you don't just get to be you know badass what's comfortable for you now you have to work with somebody else that maybe has a different class that they bring to the table although this doesn't have dungeon play but that's what i think is is good is that it keeps it gives something special about each class while also empowering each each of them and so it, it i think it's pretty well executed with that and and they're definitely being creative with with and that's what i also like is they're not direct mirrored classes either they're there's they're very yeah. similar but there's nuance about it and again that's just what empowers it to make it more unique I, in my opinion i definitely i i don't think your opinion is wrong and i i barely think of it as an opinion uh, i i watched this really in-depth video explaining each of the classes and each of the skills and apparently there's two classes for each class as you get better you can get the ascension or you can get the succession uh, the um, awakening and the uh, succession yes there we go the awakening and the succession and i think what you you stated was it is it, it perfect it it doesn't I didn't notice that there were mirrored classes. Let's put it that way. As somebody who came into this game with almost zero understanding, the whole reason I looked up the class video is because when I played Diablo, my favorite character was the Punchy Punch Monk. And statement, I just liked the Punchy Punch. I didn't care for the Sword and Shield, didn't care for the, the Ranger, didn't care for that. But in this game, there's like 18 classes or something like that and it's like okay i want to know which one's gonna be the most fun for a quick experimental run in this universe but as soon as i started getting in that character career i think i think you're 100 right especially when you're talking about things like transmog and, and and our intention with this show i don't think we like for me my my dream is to be the modern nielsen the unsolicited, un, you know, biased in terms of like, I, we're not getting corporate sponsorship. Apple TV didn't ask us to do any of this. Nobody has asked us to do any of this. And some people most likely will ask us not to do any of this. Which, uh, and I love that. If you I ask us not, and I just want to say real quick, if you uh, uh, ask us not to promote something, you can fuck right off. Yeah. PG-13 warning, but that's 100% my sentiment. I, I agree because you and I set out to do this because we have our own very, what we consider to be well-developed opinions of quality. And that's the subjective nature of our individual points. But the objective nature is to be heard by people that can actually affect change. And that's why I say like we're we're the modern Nielsen family and the modern Nielsen viewer because like a lot of game reviewers I watch spend so much time trying not to be negative about anything, trying to skip over their negative sentiment. And, and that's why like for GTA 5 Online Part 3, you're not going to get any love. You're charging for a product that's barely an upgrade. In, in literally every other instance before the XSS, it was an update for free. 
it's and now it's a twenty dollar update. It's literally the rollout, the product rollout scene in Tron Legacy, where oh yeah, we changed the number on the box. Exactly. Except they didn't even change the number. <laughs> it, 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 not only did they not change the number, they very clearly said it's only for a select few of our customers because we know for yeah. a fact nobody owns this console. And yeah. and that was the whole reason why I bailed on Call of Duty. So, is so when, okay, coming up against the clock though, so I, I just want to, yeah, just to reiterate, we are just, trying to be as objective and fair as possible. But also our... real fans, yes, real viewers, real audience members the we are the customers we have bought or used other subscriptions to view all of this quality content that we individually decided was quality before we ever started this show and that i think we don't we do want to try and be as be positive mostly positive so we want to be constructive is our goal here we're not exactly exactly but we aren't gonna, you know, oh, this thing's great because I'm getting paid money to say it is. No. We're and that's selling out. We're not for sale in that regard. Now, if we like your product and you want us to promote it more, we can talk about it. But we're not gonna, yeah, we don't bet to the mob. We don't, we don't do any of that. We're here. You and we're like not it, even a don't. mob. We do we're, not in, we're not going to inspire a mob. I bring up the whole thing about Rockstar not understanding its audience because yeah. they don't understand that the audience destroyed cyberpunk but then also saved cyberpunk the outrage that came from the cyberpunk release is the only reason cyberpunk came out with anything good ever since Mm -hmm. and that is what i think rockstar needs to know is that no matter what you do yes we may buy it yes we may want to play it but if it sucks this class ruin all of your corporate shares yeah yeah this class right here by the way shifting back to black desert is uh i honestly found this one fast fascinating and i may try it again soon i really kind of dug this because this was something that was i don't think i've ever seen it before a hula hoop as a weapon yeah it's kind of a little cheesy but it's also dude you know it's not cheesy cool concept i've seen a lot of edm dancers that can dance this quality with a hula hoop and so I could theoretically imagine a martial art where a hula hoop is the, you know, combat weapon, kind of like yeah. Kempo with the bow staff. And that this one made me even think it's less theory, more lost art. It, it looks like, yeah, no. Well, that, that was really yeah, cool. I didn't even see that scene. one that well. There are so many classes. I, I took like at least an hour and a half just to pick a class because I was, I was excited for most of them. I like the transmog is so quality yeah it is it, it, the character creator in this game is difficult for sure you got especially when you're messing around with a controller doing your ups and downs and lefts and rights it messes with everything you don't get the mouse to just click the part you want to change and so you have to adjust you have to figure it out but oh i think this was the is this the witch that's on or yeah this, this is the witch the, yeah yeah this one's another cool class the witch and the wizard both are just i'm looking forward to trying them too i will say though from what i heard they're supposedly underpowered comparatively to the rest (laughs) Uh, well you know that's the the price you pay for the convenience of playing ranged is uh yeah you're kind of stuck that way well this uh, yeah this game is a lot of fun i think it, it, it i think the diversity in the class is not only in the fact that they're gender locked i think that it's I'm grateful for it because yeah. when when playing a game 
that I want to get into usually like the like Elden Ring for example is a, is a really good one I really wanted to get into that one I really wanted to understand the character classes and everything like that and then every beginner's guide video I watched said don't care about the classes but then when I got onto Black Desert and I looked up the beginner's guide for this one it was like there is a class for your preferred play style based off of all the MMORPGs you've ever played one of them is close enough to that that you're gonna have a comfortable time transitioning not not a good time not a great time not the best time ever comfortable you're gonna catch on quickly and you're gonna figure it out faster than you thought you could yeah no the the character customization is really good the outfit diversity could use some work but at the same time i got into that i i picked up an outfit and some dyes and there's a lot of there's a lot of combinations regarding the color changes and the different mix and match combos so it's not like it's not like star trek online so star trek online still has it beat as far as clothing goes that's why sto's custom options are, the, are still as far as custom game custom game and casual friendly sto is still the king and we will give them a block very soon um but for what this offers and what you get out of it it is worth it is worth trying out i mean the combat look at this and it flows so smoothly like that's the problem i can't get into to dc universe online is because it feels so clunky and i just i'm like like i like the flying around aspect but this you're like jumping around I mean, depending on what class you play I, I do the corsair you're jumping around you're like making slashes and doing combos and it even shows you like combo bars that you can this is what i thought was cool was that it has a little list of attack abilities and that's really awesome because it shows you what you can do but i think some of my favorite aspects of this game are just the basic quality of life that this offers the auto running the fact that you can literally press a button and walk to your objective and get up and go get a drink while you're transiting seven out of seven on that that one is sure. yeah solid quality of life one of my favorite mechanics ever i've never yeah the only time i've seen that was star trek online but that made sense you plot a course for your ship it flies you there okay duh your character literally walks to your objectives for you it's pretty press awesome. left trigger and you can sprint for him so if you need to one hand for a second oh you can oh, do that i can and the computer you can just toggle auto run and it'll just run by itself that's even it, crazier yeah. like to me that that's that's the stuff i love is like games that acknowledge that there are certain mechanics that suck like running across an open world but then when you take the time to make that tra like travel easier like automated you know like everybody's talking about ai cars these days right like finally we're just now getting ai characters yep and unfortunately this uh brings us to our closing statements as we are now finally up to the end of our two hour time slot uh any cool weekend plans john i myself am playing video games and still being poor I myself am still playing video games and being poor, but I am going to enjoy it. I love video games. I love entertainment. I love I'm being excited poor. to get no, back wait, into Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I wish, you know, the corporate elite would finally realize that we need money to be able to survive and enjoy our lives so we don't have to spend hours complaining about them to make I, money. I don't really want to complain about them as much anymore. I just want to make my own way. That's why we're doing this show absolutely and, and for anyway me, 
with uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and conclude our broadcast. If you missed tonight's show, it'll be up on the uh, on the podcast channel soon. Uh, what are we on uh, for podcasts, John? Are we on, I know we're on Spotify. Are we on Apple yet? We are not on Apple yet. I'm still working on that, but we're on Spotify and whatever else our RSS feed auto allows me. I was able to get us processed onto the majority of uh, podcast distributors and still working on Apple. It's an internal issue on my end, but I will figure it out very soon. Spotify is where it's at. If you want to like and subscribe us on there, give us a rate. Like and subscribe us here so that uh, we can finally show our family we're cool. Yep here on youtube or on twitch and of course we are also on patreon.com slash the writer brothers we do have options to help support our work if you do believe in supporting independent content creation please give us uh give us any help but we do also offer some various consulting services that we can discuss but with that we are approaching our final two hours um thanks for watching thanks for listening and uh my name's pd york reminding you until next week don't be a dick Good night.